When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of E2C Network, where we share the whole Auburn experience. Hi, this is TCU horsemanship rider Maddie Dukes, and you're listening to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast hosted by Auburn Elvis. Thank you. Thank you very much. And this is your host, Auburn Elvis. Uh, so that voice there was obviously uh, TCU's Maddie Duke. She was kind enough to help out with the intro message. And uh, yeah, so let's talk about some college equestrian. So in this episode, I'm going to mix things up a bit. I like to go back and uh, listen to myself talk, and while I love it, I often wonder if it's just boring for everybody else. So today, I'm going to change the format a bit. Instead of meet recaps and then a break and then meet previews, I'm going to focus on each team. I'm going to tell you what they've done, what's coming up for them, and then I'm going to give you my take on their performances overall. So that way, if you just have one or two teams that you really care about, you can kind of zone out on the rest of the other stuff, and then you can just start paying attention again when I get to your team. So the first team we're going to focus on is the number one team in the nation, SMU. But before I get started, I have an extra treat for you. This week, I spoke with SMU head coach Carol Gwynn, and here's how that went. I'm joined today by SMU head coach Carol Gwynn. Hello, Carol, and welcome to War Horses. Hi, thanks for having me. So I want to get right into things. Um, For the past several years, SMU has been a member of the Eastern College Athletic Conference, but this year y'all decided to go independent. So what were some of the reasons behind making that move? That's a great question. You know, it's right now a bit of an experiment, but due to travel restrictions and scheduling, we kind of felt like our sports administrator and myself that we, we could continue to have a successful season by competing at a few more places across the country and not being quite so locked into mainly competing EC, AC on our travel trips. Okay. So um, now that you're scheduling teams as an independent, you know, what, what sort of challenges are you finding as far as trying to, you know, make sure you get a lot of quality opponents? Because if you were in a conference structure, you would have that guarantee of about four or six other meets. But now that you're independent, you don't have that guarantee. But you do, like you said, you have that flexibility of, well, we can go out and schedule anybody now. I mean, what sort of challenges have you had as far as scheduling other teams this year? Well, I think that we do have a bit of a light schedule, at least for the fall. We had a couple of teams that had to cancel coming to us for various reasons. But I I believe that we have a very challenging schedule. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, It's going to prepare us for kind of what our main and targeted goal is, is to qualify in the top eight teams um, at the national championship and have the opportunity to play on Saturday for the, for the trophy. And that that's really our goal. Our hope is, you know, without having to have all that conference focus, that we can put more focus on preparing for the national championship. 
Yeah, I was looking at it. I know in the spring you basically finished with a uh, with a tour through the SEC. So yeah, you're going to be riding against all four SEC teams uh, in your last five meets, I think. Correct. Call us crazy or call us smart. We will see. We will see how that goes. But I feel like if I've ever had a team that could go out there and be be successful, be competitive, um, I think this is the team. We're very balanced. In all four events this year, we've had some returners due to COVID, extra year, extra season. We also have some really very good freshmen coming in that I'm excited to see what they can do. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, so far, everything's looking great. Now, y'all have only ridden a single meet so far, but it was a big one. You went into uh, Stillwater and you knocked off the defending national champions, Oklahoma State. And yeah. also, you, you basically sealed up the uh, number one ranking right now, which I think is the first time y'all have ever been number one. You know, what is this ranking and, and getting that first win on the road? What does that all mean for your program? I think going up to OSU, you know, our girls were very prepared. Um, at the time, they were ranked number one, and um, we knew that they had not lost at home in five years, and we just went in with the mindset that anybody's beatable on any given day. I think one of the biggest things that a lot of people are not aware of in the sport of equestrian is that we don't travel the horses and so we're going there to ride their horses and the team same as if they come to us can put in whatever horses they want to put in in the lineup and um, four minutes and it's time to go and so we practiced on a lot of different horses here at the barn the girls we we had big rule reviews to discuss any rule changes and things like that. And I just tried to do everything I could to have them as prepared as possible. That's great. Yeah. And so, uh, like you said, so we had that one there. And then you've had about a month off before the next meet. And I guess by the time uh, this episode airs, you guys will have had your next meet uh, against Baylor. So what sort of things have y'all been doing to sort of stay fresh, even though you've had that, that month layoff in between your first meet and now the second one? We've kind of been doing some inter-squad scrimmages, and I think with the sport of equestrian, the girls need to find a good balance between competing on a team and staying ready to compete at any time, and also school and all the other demands of a student-athlete. Um, it's not just coming to the barn. Um, SMU is very challenging academically. And so I feel like this month has kind of given the girls a chance to get ahead in their classes and their work and also to, for all the new, the new incomers to, to get to ride all of the horses that we have that'll be going in the meet. I think Baylor is a bit of an underranked team. Uh, they, they, they could be a good challenge for us. And I, I feel, feel like we need to take, take them seriously regardless of rankings or whatever because I know they're well coached and um, they'll be ready. So in talking about uh, the the meet that you had with Oklahoma State and for the listeners who may not know that that meet it went it was very tight it went back and forth Uh, the teams were trading points all day and just looking at how that that meet progressed it kind of struck me that the scores that your riders were getting just really seemed to be very consistent across your your lineups and and I kind of have a long question or at least a question that has a bit of buildup so hang on for this because I want to sort of set the stage for maybe the listener who doesn't know a ton about the sport but some background for those listeners 
listeners, basically because these are head-to-head matchups and everything is randomized, so you don't know going in which rider on this team is going to be matched up with the other rider on the other team, but basically because of that random nature, you could have very different results based on just who gets matched against whom. And so you could have a situation where maybe I've got a team where my number one rider is a little bit better than the team over there and my number two is a little bit better. And so just across the board, I've got a little bit better riders. So if they were all matched up that way, I would probably, you know, take all five points in an event. But if the random draw set it up so that maybe my first rider was going up against the number five rider on that other team, I would win maybe that matchup. But then all the others might go to that other team because now my number two is going against their number one, my three is against their two, and et cetera. So the random draw can really make a difference based on just, you know, how things work out. And as I go through the season, follow the seasons, I do a lot of analysis of just how the the different riders' win rates are stacking up. And I do this so that when the these matchups come out, I can kind of look at them and say, well, who do we think is going to win between these two riders? And one of the things I've sort of discovered is what you typically get on a team is your number one, your number two rider tend to be in that 70% win rate or higher. And then it really starts going down to where some teams in their third, fourth, fifth positions might have 30%, 20%, or even 0% win win rate for those riders. But what I've sort of noticed with SMU, and again, using a lot of uh, of your data from last year of, of those riders that returned, there isn't that severe of a drop-off in terms of the win rate. So your third, fourth, fifth riders are about as competitive as other teams second or third. I mean, there really isn't that much drop-off. So it would seem like the random draw doesn't affect you guys as much just because you've got a really good chance of taking the point no matter who the SMU rider is getting matched up against the opponent. I you really know, I think yeah. that's a great point. I I feel like that the um the fourth and fifth riders in your lineup are the ones that are gonna win or lose the meet for you because mm-hmm. you can't always count on the people that are as consistent. If they go down, you need to have enough depth in your roster and your lineup to cover for that. And mm-hmm. I think also you you really even if you lose an event you need to lose it close. You need to lose it two to three. You really don't want to be going down one and four, five mm-hmm. and zero, oh, because that's very hard to recover from, even if you have all the talent in the world. Yeah, I think the depth of those, say, third, fourth, fifth riders, they need to be as consistent and strong as you can put in. But you also have to play the game of getting some new people in and developing developing new people through the roster. So Mm -hmm. that is another challenge. So how have you been able to achieve this? Because, you know, we talk about consistency and all that, and that's what every coach wants. So how are you able to to see that happen over over at SMU? Well, I I think it starts with recruiting. Coach Kearns, um, my Western coach, and Coach Persons, my jumping seat coach, have done a very good job of being very solid recruiters. I I believe Mm -hmm. that we also have a smaller team. We try to stay under 40 girls. And so everybody on this team, they all practice the same. They all do the same things. And um, I think it shows because if somebody's down or somebody's sick, you've always got somebody else ready to step in the lineup. Cool. No, that's a great approach. Let's see. So after, yeah, after this weekend's meet, you're going to have two more at home against Delaware State, then UC Davis before the holiday break. And I'm just going to tell you, UC Davis is tough. Y'all need to watch out for them. They are better this year than they were last year. (laughs) Yes, Um, yes. 
He got a good win against um, Auburn, and yeah. uh, it's definitely, definitely that program is growing and developing. It's a great school, and a lot of, lot of girls really, you know, want to come and do the sport of equestrian and also focus on academics. And so you're only as good as any given day that you compete, and you got to not let the emotion get the best of you, and you've got to go out and do your best. That's what I tell my girls. Yeah, and so then in the spring, you know, like we said, you're going to go through basically the SEC. You'll be coming to Auburn, and uh, yeah, so when that when that comes around, um, probably walk over and say hello when y'all come visit the plane. Great. Well, it won't be my first time. I I used to coach in South Carolina many years ago, so I have right. I have done the the plains of Auburn many a time. So we're looking yep. forward to heading east and. Uh, taking on the challenge. Well, thank you very much, uh, Coach Gwen, for coming on the show and just talking to us about the exciting season that uh, y'all are having over there. Certainly. Thanks for having me and pony up. You know, I think that was a very nice interview. And as we said, they started off their season with a bang. They rode into Stillwater. They stunned defending champs Oklahoma State with that 10-9 upset. Wasn't stunning so much for the score, but more because it was on the road. And the Cowgirls were returning a lot of last year's national championship winning talent. Uh, Basically, all but one starter from last year is on the team again this year. Now, SMU didn't lose a lot of talent from last year either. They lost about one starter in each event, so that's actually pretty normal for most teams. But the Mustangs are the only undefeated team right now, so that makes them the consensus number one. They had a home meet against Baylor on Friday, and I kind of thought this was going to be close. Baylor has been improving, and that showed in the first half. Fences and horsemanship were up first. It went 3-2 to two for each team, so they split those, and it was 5-5 to five at the half. Then SMU opened up a can of you know what in the second half. Uh, the Mustangs won the flat four to one, and then they won reigning four to zero. So uh, keep in mind actually that Baylor has had some success with their reigning teams in their early meets. So this was even more impressive when you take that into consideration. Now this week SMU has Delaware State and UC Davis coming to town. I doubt that the Mustangs will have much trouble with Delaware State, but UC Davis could get some points from them. Uh, if this was at Davis, I might actually pick an upset. But in Dallas, SMU should outscore the Aggies. So SMU looks really good right now. Uh, They aren't riding as many meets as the other teams because of their independent status. We talked about that in the interview. But from this point on, their regular season schedule is pretty much just as packed as anybody else's in the country, so we'll get to see more from them and how that goes. Right now, there's no doubt that they are riding the best in the country. The next team to talk about is Georgia. The Bulldogs started off with a nice, close home victory over Baylor, then they lost at home to Auburn, but since then, they've beaten Texas A&M at home and UC Davis and South Dakota State on the road. Georgia is a good team. They only lost three of their 20 starters from last season, so they should be pretty consistent this season. They haven't blown anybody out, but their loss to Auburn was pretty close, so going forward, I think we should pick Georgia pretty much at home in any of the home meets they have, and actually on some of the road meets, too. I think Georgia has probably got the best resume of any of the one-loss teams out there. That loss to Auburn, which was at home, is not ideal, but it's not a bad loss. So we're not going to really hold that against Georgia compared to the other one-loss teams. The Bulldogs go on the road this week to South Carolina, and it will probably be tough. Georgia has the talent to get the win, but these road meets have been so tough this year. I think the Gamecocks will have a real chance at the upset. I think Georgia is probably going to win, but there will be a very close, maybe one or two point victory. Next, let's talk about TCU. The Horned Frogs started off well with a road victory over Texas A&M, and that was really big. It was a 10-10 tiebreaker, but still, on the road, you will take it every day of the week. 
Then they beat a couple of teams that you would expect. Then they lost on the road to Baylor by more than we expected. So that moved them down in my mind, maybe a little bit more than it should have, but I've kind of readjusted my perception on them now, and that's why I have them right here below Georgia. TCU only lost two starters from last year, so that Baylor loss was a bit odd. But then they turned right around and they shocked a whole lot of people by beating uh, Oklahoma State at home. On Thursday, they thumped Fresno State pretty hard at home. I actually can't remember which of the two events went first in the first half, but honestly, you could pick any two of them and it's going to be a blowout. TCU won fences 3-1. to They took reigning 3-0. to So even if those were the first two ones, that's still a 6-1 to advantage at half. And then they swept flat and horsemanship 5 to nothing each. So to hold an opponent, uh, a conference opponent, to just one point out of 20 is next-level domination. So good job, TCU. They're another one of those teams where, you know, at home, they're going to be a tough beat. On the road, who knows what you're going to get. They share the Big 12 lead with Oklahoma State right now. They do have that head-to-head tiebreaker, having beaten the Cowgirls early, so technically they're in first place in their conference. The Frogs have UC Davis coming up uh, in Fort Worth this Friday, and that could be close. Davis has looked really good at home. It'll be nice to see what they can do on the road. I expect TCU will likely get that win, and it'll probably be about four or five points. The next team we're going to talk about is Auburn. Auburn started off with a huge but close road victory at Georgia. Then they went on the road. They lost to UC Davis before beating Fresno State. They thumped UT Martin pretty good, and then they went back on the road last week, and they faced South Carolina, well, this past Friday. That meet began with flat and horsemanship. Carolina won flat 3-2, but Auburn swept horsemanship 5-0. So at the half, Auburn was in control with a 7-3 lead. Then fences looked really sharp for Auburn here. Auburn won uh, 4-1. That sealed the meet. Then Raining was delivering points, and that one split 2-2 to to close out the whole uh, meet with a 13-6 win for Auburn. Now, I think this is really a good picture of what you're going to get from Auburn this year. There will be some ups and downs in particular meets, but basically Auburn is going to try to win with some incredible fences and horsemanship performances, and then just try not to lose with the flat and the Raining rides. Auburn lost a fair amount of talent from last year. And when I say that for reference, most teams will lose about 25% to 33% of their starters every year. So anything outside of that range, one way or the other, is noteworthy. Now, Auburn lost about 40% of their starters from last season, so that is noteworthy in the way that you don't want it to be. But Auburn is still talented enough they can get points when they aren't making just a bunch of mistakes. So be ready for some days when pockets of their lineup don't bring in the points that we would expect. But right now, I would pick Auburn at home against anybody. I'd also be a little bit worried on some road trips against the good teams. But with Friday's win, Auburn remains in first place in the SEC and has Texas A&M coming up. The Aggies are going to be tough, but if Auburn performs as expected, their fences and horsemanship points should give them a big enough lead to weather some mistakes that might happen in raining in the flat. But if Auburn doesn't take at least three points in each of fences and horsemanship, then they might lose the day to A&M. I don't think that's going to happen, but it could. A&M is good. So those are all of the undefeated and one-loss dual discipline teams. We're going to take a short break here, and then we're going to come back and talk about the rest of the teams in the country. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Okay, we're back. So now let's focus on those strong teams that have dropped at least two meets already in their schedules. First, we're going to talk about Oklahoma State. So the defending national champs, they've lost one starter from last season's roster. Right out the gate, we thought they were going to be the team to beat, and they were for a week. And then SMU came to town and uh, defeated the Cowgirls. But they rebounded by thumping Baylor, and then they lost on the road to TCU. Now, this past week, they hosted Fresno State. The day after Fresno State got manhandled by TCU. And I'm just going to tell you, when a team does these back-to-back road trips, they always seem to ride a little bit better in that second meet. So the the ingredients were there for this to be a close one. Um, but it was a home, home meet for OSU, and the, they were the favorites. Fences and horsemanship got going in the first half. OSU dominated fences 4-1. to one. They took the majority of horsemanship 3-2. to two. So at the half, they were in control 7-3. to three. The second half went about the same. OSU won the flat 3-2, to two, and then they won reigning 3-1. Uh, to one. So the final score ended up being 13-6. to six. So this was a good, convincing home win against an overmatched conference opponent. Now going forward, I expect OSU will be favored at home, and it'll kind of depend on who the road opponent is as to whether or not they'll be favored as well. Speaking of which, Oklahoma State is off this week as they are going to prepare for a road trip out to Auburn next week. They will face the Tigers and single-discipline team uh, Bridgewater College, but we're going to talk about that meet more next week. Moving right along, we've got Texas A&M. The Aggies began their season with that close home loss to TCU. Then they went on the road and they beat UC Davis and Fresno State. Then they beat South Carolina. Then they lost a very close meet at Georgia. So the Aggies have had a very busy start. They also had a large amount of roster turnover. 40% of their starters graduated or moved on from last year. So they're in about that same boat that Auburn is in terms of how much talent they lost. Now A&M is kind of a complex team. There's going to be home meets where they're not favored, and there's going to be road meets where they are. It's, it's very up in the air for them. Basically, if you want to know how A&M is going to do, you might be better off looking at who the opponent is rather than just how good A&M is. This week, they are visiting Auburn, and we know that Auburn is good, so Auburn is favored in that. But A&M might still be able to pull off the upset. If the Aggies can limit Auburn in fences and horsemanship, like we talked about, that's really going to open the door for them in flat and raining. So keep that in mind this week, and if you see stuff starting to go one way or the other, that gives you an indication of how that meet's going to go. I think Auburn will win, but A&M might shock everyone with an upset. They are, they're good enough to do it. The next two-loss team we want to talk about is UC Davis. Now, this was tough. The Aggies have not ridden on the road yet, but they faced three SEC teams at home, and they beat one of them. So they have a pair of respectable losses, but unlike the other two-loss teams, they have a really good close win. Now, the meet against A&M wasn't close, but they rebounded in a big way and, and probably rode the best you're going to see them ride all fall against Auburn that, t- that day. They defeated South Dakota State pretty easily, and then they narrowly lost to Georgia at home. So that's why I'd say right now their resume is actually better than the teams that are below them, and maybe some of the teams above them, but they just haven't gone out on the road yet, and that is all about to change because this week they will ride against TCU and Delaware State in Fort Worth, and that will tell us a lot more about this team. We expect a big win over the Golden Eagles, but it'll be very interesting to see how well they do against TCU. I don't think UC Davis is going to get the win, especially because with everything we've seen, these these road meets are just tough, y'all. But I think it's going to be close. If it is close, or if even UC Davis does win, then the Aggies are going to keep climbing up the rankings. On we go to South Carolina. 
Now, they beat the smaller schools on their schedule, Delaware State, Minnesota Crookston. They also beat Baylor and UT Martin. In SEC play, they've gone 0-2 against Texas A&M and Auburn by similar scores. So this is a pretty good place to have them in in your rankings. Uh, It really would have been helpful if they had UC Davis on their schedule this season because that's kind of the team we're trying to figure out which is better between those two. In that way, we would truly know who is better. But for right now, I'm going to have them below the Aggies just because that's how things have gone so far. The Gamecocks host Georgia this week, and that is a winnable meet for them. I know I have Georgia ranked at number two, but this is the Gamecocks' last meet of the fall, and it is their best chance to beat a highly ranked team. They'll match up with Georgia a lot like they did against Auburn, but this time, if they can stay a little bit closer in horsemanship and fences, they could pull that upset. I'm going to say that they do it. I'm going to go ahead and pick SC to win in about either a 9-9 tiebreaker maybe, or perhaps a 10-9 situation where if it had gone to a tiebreaker, they would have lost, but it won't because they'll have the 10, and then they would get the win that way. We'll see how it goes, but I think South Carolina has a good shot at the upset. So now we're going to get into the teams that have more than two losses, and if we had another commercial break, this is where it would be, but we don't, so let's keep it moving, and we're going to go a little faster here. Baylor. The Bears have ridden against a lot of teams, and they have a lot of losses. They lost at Carolina, at Georgia, at Oklahoma State. Then they beat TCU at home. Then they lost at SMU. They have one more meet this fall at home against Fresno State in two weeks. So with Baylor, they're going to live and die on whether this is a home meet or a road meet. For the Bears, they're going to be in competition with South Carolina and UC Davis for that eighth spot in the national championship tournament. Right now, Baylor has only lost on the road, where those other two teams have lost at home. So if Baylor can just defend their home turf, win at home, doesn't matter if they lose away, they will get that eighth spot. I feel very confident about that. But if the Bears do start losing at home in the spring, then their postseason destiny will not be in their own hands. It will be in the hands of other teams. UT Martin. The Skyhawks beat single-discipline Dartmouth at home. They lost to TCU in Delaware. They beat Delaware State on the road then lost at Auburn, and lost at home to South Carolina before beating single-discipline Lynchburg. The Skyhawks will get their chances to climb back into the postseason conversation in the spring, but right now they've lost all their big meets, and they really needed to win at least one of those if they wanted to impress the rankings. Fresno State. The Bulldogs faced two tough SEC teams at home in Texas A&M and Auburn, and they lost both. Then they went on the road to face their uh, Big 12 foes, TCU and Oklahoma State, and they didn't get much better over there. The only projected win on their schedule right now is Minnesota Crookston in the spring. The Bulldogs don't ride against any of the other teams around them in the rankings, so each week is going to be a struggle for them as they face teams that, are, at least on paper, appear to be much better than them. And basically, this just might be a rebuilding year for Fresno State. Delaware State. The Hornets have lost to all the bigger schools, and they've beaten all the other small schools on their schedule. Those were all at home. They lost to South Carolina, TCU, UT Martin, and then they beat Minnesota Crookston. The Hornets travel to SMU this week. I expect they will lose to them, but they have an outside shot at the upset over UC Davis because that will be a neutral site meet. It actually might be a four riders in every event type meet, and if that is uh, the case, then that will help DSU. But the Hornets have to get some upsets if they really want to see Ocala in April. The next team is South Dakota State. The Jackrabbits beat Minnesota Crookston at home, and then they lost at UC Davis and against Georgia. They might have one or two upsets remaining in them, but it looks like for right now the Jackrabbits are going to need to be content with beating up on poor Minnesota Crookston for a while. And lastly, let's talk about Minnesota Crookston. They're small, they're relatively new to dual discipline, they've gone winless so far, but you never know. They have all road meets on their schedule, so it's going to be an uphill battle for them, but there's always a chance that they could get hot and catch a team on a down day. 
I also want to mention Barry College, which said in their uh, press release earlier this season that they were going to be riding dual discipline. But when I look at the schedule, all of those meets seem to be against single discipline teams. So I'm not sure how that's going to work out. They're also all in the spring. So we'll just see how it all goes. Now, speaking of the single discipline teams, I want to quickly run through those teams. Lynchburg, Sweetbriar, Swanee, Sacred Heart, Dartmouth, and Bridgewater. Lynchburg is the best. They're the national champions, and they have two or three riders who can get jump and seat points against anybody. Sweetbriar used to be the best in past years, but they're number two right now. If they can get just one point better, they could tie or beat Lynchburg. After those two, there's a group of about three teams that could win or lose depending on where the meet is hosted. Right now, we have Swanee. They're looking the best, then Sacred Heart, and then Dartmouth. Then we have Bridgewater and Barry. They're probably in their own group a little lower down, but we'll see how that goes. This weekend, Sweetbriar and Swanee will face off at Swanee. I think the Vixens will win on the road, but it, it could be close. Bridgewater goes to Lynchburg. I expect the Hornets to win big in that one. Sacred Heart is also going to be in town. I don't think the Pioneers are going to beat Lynchburg, but they should beat the Eagles. So now I'm going to end the podcast this week with another story. My co-workers at my 9-to-5 job don't really know about this whole Auburn Elvis thing. It's not like it's a big secret or anything. It's just not something that I've ever really shared with them. But there is this one co-worker. She works remote for us in Arkansas, and she's into horses. Her family rides. Uh, So this one time she was talking about, you know, something, something, horses, and uh, she mentioned that her her daughter goes to Baylor, and I asked her if her daughter rode for the Baylor equestrian team. She said no, uh, but that her daughter does know some of the riders. So she thought about it, and she came back later, and she was like, oh, yeah, my daughter knows Maddie Voorhees. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know who that is. What I did not say was, oh, yeah, Maddie Voorhees knows who I am, too. <laughs> and then last week, this same uh, co-worker, she sent me a link to a story about an Auburn rider, Helen Lore, because this lady knows that I'm an Auburn fan, and she was like, oh, yeah, um, here's this great story about Helen Lore. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know all about Helen Lore. She's a mechanical engineer, Navy ROTC. She's going to be a nuclear submarine crew someday, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I did obviously, I did not say, oh, and she knows who I am, too. <laughs> I could have. I, I think the what it is is there are some other people that this lady rides with that uh, out in Arkansas who know of Helen or know her family or something. At least they follow her career online for some reason. I don't know exactly all the details. Helen's over from Virginia, so I'm not really sure how that connection would work. But anyway, maybe they just read about an Auburn equestrian rider, and that's why they brought it up. But anyway, the whole point I'm trying to get to with with this is you never know how the weird parts of your life are going to interconnect someday. And um, so for all you riders out there, even though this is a niche sport, you are all part of larger communities in the sport and outside that sport. There are people all over the country, potentially the world, who are interested in your stories and what you can do. They celebrate your victories and they feel the pain of your setbacks. And I, I, say, I say this a lot, but the biggest draw for y'all, I'm convinced, of riding in college is that up until now, it's just been about you or you and your families, maybe your barn buddies or a few sponsors you might have and the connections you might make out on the show circuit. But once you step foot onto campus, become part of these teams, you become part of an enormous community that really cares a lot about you and your riding. So I hope that brightens up your day just to know that there are a lot of people rooting for you. And I guess there are a lot of people rooting against you too, but we're only going to focus on the ones who root for you right now. So that's how we'll close this episode. And that is all for this episode of War Horses. I am your host, Auburn Elvis. Thank you very much. 
Thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.